Hello, and thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast, now available on almost any platform where podcasts can be found. What you'll most often find here is our Sunday service sermon audio, but we'll also post bits and pieces of special services, events, and other things as they pertain to the life of the church. If you'd like to know more about what's happening here at Redeemer, you can visit us online at www.redeemermn.org or join us live Sunday at 10.30 a.m. on YouTube or Facebook. Just search for Redeemer MN or Redeemer Lutheran Church and locate the blue droplet icon. We're overjoyed at this opportunity to minister to you and to walk beside you as you begin to experience what it means to be the church. Let's dive in. Well, good morning, not only to each of you here in the building, but also to those of you online. If you were with us last week, you're well aware that we started a new three-week series entitled Joseph, From the Pit to the Palace. Last week, we discovered that being in the pit has various timing and causes. We looked at favoritism um, in Joseph's family and how being in the pit can trigger loneliness. But in the end... We ended up resting on the truth that God is present when we're in the pit. And this week, we are going to be looking at being in the prison. Have any of you here or online ever been in prison? Now, I'm going to ask for a show of hands for this next question. How many of you got into the prison bars in the commons this morning? All right, I see some hands. If you haven't had opportunity to do that, do that before you leave today. Uh, Years ago, I had the opportunity uh, with the Redeemer Choir to go to Stillwater Prison, and we sang for the inmates. There was a process of getting everybody signed in, and then the prison door opened, and we all walked in, and I remember that sound of when the door clanged shut. And we were locked in the prison, too. Another prison uh, experience comes from my grandsons, who had an opportunity a couple summers ago. Uh, Their folks took them to uh, see Alcatraz. And they were fascinated with that experience, and they engaged in conversation about it month after month after month after they'd been there. And so when I asked them this week, why was that so fascinating uh, to you? This was their response. They said it was lonely in that place, and there wasn't any privacy, Nana. (laughs) Plus, the stories of the people that had been there were so amazing to us. Maybe you are someone that actually was in prison and you've served your time. Maybe you participate in prison ministry and have served on Kairos teams. These teams go into the prisons and they present God's reconciling love in Jesus Christ to the inmates. But then we see in Matthew 25 that Jesus is sharing parables with with the people and he talks about Jesus' return. And in the parable of the sheep and goats, we see the importance of visiting those that are in prison. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothing, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. But being in prison doesn't just happen physically. It also happens emotionally and spiritually. You know, we all have our prisons. 
secret sins, hiding our weaknesses, and just plain feeling stuck. And with prison comes its own set of trials. With our freedom restricted, along goes our joy being diminished in life. After being in the pit, Joseph's first prison experience was a prison of slavery. Initially, after the Ishmaelites had taken Joseph to Egypt, Joseph was sold to Potiphar, the captain of the guard, who was one of Pharaoh's officials. And now, captain of the guard is what we probably would call a bodyguard today. And Potiphar also led the king's executioners. Someone in Potiphar's position would have been very wealthy and would have had the capability to purchase many servants. So in a sense, Joseph went from the prison of slavery, from the prison of slavery as being the favored one, and it was there that he had to serve everyone else. It's interesting, I think, to know that Potiphar left everything, every single thing that he had in Joseph's care. And with Joseph in charge, he didn't think, he didn't give any concern to anything in his life except what he had to eat. And from these words, we can surmise that Joseph, despite what he experienced, did not allow the circumstances to keep him from doing what was absolutely the best and using the gifts that God had given him. Nowhere do we read about him wallowing in self-pity. Instead, he worked hard and he oversaw everything for Potiphar. And the reality is that the Lord blessed him in that position in the household of Egypt, was blessed because of Joseph. Joseph's being in charge also brought him in contact with everybody in Potiphar's household. And we're told that Joseph was very handsome and that he also was a well-built guy. And after a while, Potiphar's wife started taking notice of Joseph. Potiphar's wife tempted Joseph, but he stood firm because he had decided long before the temptation to not have his integrity compromised. His response to her was, no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing against God? Joseph actually saw sin not against another person, but against God himself. But that response did not stop Potiphar's wife. Day after day, she continued to pursue him, and then one day she saw her chance to discredit Joseph. When she approached Joseph again, we're told that he ran from her, and she kept Joseph's cloak as evidence of the lie that she was going to tell. Do you run from sin like Joseph did? We all face temptation, and as we go through this Lenten season, we're reminded that Jesus himself actually was tempted by Satan, but he didn't sin. Sin occurs when we mishandle temptation. We're told in 1 Corinthians 10.13 that no temptation has overtaken us that's not common to man. But God is faithful, and he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So when temptation comes, run, run, run. Run to the word of God. Run to prayer. Run away from the temptation. But even when we have run and not sinned, we can be imprisoned unjustly. Now Joseph moved from the prison of slavery to a little pr literal prison in Egypt. To us, the serving time in prison for a crime 
seems quite natural in our society, but that wasn't the case in the ancient world. In the ancient Near East, the usual means of punishment would have been death, it would have meant an extreme fine, or it would have meant bodily mutilation. Those were the usual means that they used in those days. The biblical mention of Joseph serving time in prison is noteworthy for us to look at. This main prison of Egypt was called the place of confinement, and it had two parts. There was the cell block, like we think of a prison today, and then there was a holding area where they kept numerous prisoners, and they were forced into being laborers. Isn't it interesting that Potiphar didn't have Joseph executed for what his wife said that he did? Was it because he wanted to see what future things would happen having Joseph around? Had he gotten comfortable with all of those extras because of the Lord blessing? Or was he skeptical of a story that his wife told? We don't know. Sometimes you really can be doing everything right and you can get imprisoned. You know, one of our family stories that we tend to go back to from time to time when we get together is when our son was in college and he ended up being taken into custody for a brief period of time. He had come home late one night from being with his buddies, out with friends, and as he drove in the driveway, as the lights came up, they shine on the house next to us, and he noticed a very suspicious individual walking around that house, and we kind of watched that neighbor. It was a widow that was next door to us. So he ran into our house, calling, said, get up, call 911, and then he went out to pursue this person. The police came, there were several cars, they'd blocked off the area so cars couldn't go in and out, and as our son is walking up to go up another block, the police that are blocking that intersection took him into custody, and they put him in the back of a squad car. Now, I don't know how many of you have been in the back of a squad car, but our son is well over 6'5", and so he had trouble getting in to that squad car. Things were happening like crazy. There were police that were going through the area on foot. There were flashlights that were all over. By this time, the neighbors are up on our cul-de-sac. And so they're looking around. They can't find who this individual is. And finally, they realized that the ID that had been given to them about this individual did not match our son. And so they asked him to get out of the police car. And I guess there is a procedure in getting out of police cars. You're supposed to get out on a certain side. Well, he had to put his legs all the way across the whole back and could not get out the way they wanted him to. So he was like an inchworm trying to get out of this police car. So anyway, we have lots of laughs in our family as we think about those times that he was imprisoned unjustly. You know, the sentence for Joseph was light for the crime. He was charged to have been committed. But again, we see that God's presence going with Joseph. In Genesis 39, we read, The Lord was with Joseph. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. It's the Lord. It's always the Lord who's making the difference in your life and in Joseph's life, enabling him to persevere during unjust imprisonment. And now the warden, now the warden doesn't pay any attention to anything that's going on under Joseph's care because the Lord's with Joseph and he gives him success in every single aspect. Sometime later, while Joseph is in prison, Pharaoh was angry with two of his officials, the cupbearer and the chief baker, and he puts them in custody. And guess what? 
in the same prison that Joseph is housed in. And not only in the same prison, but those two individuals get assigned to Joseph, and he attended them. And after they'd been in custody for some time, they each had a dream on the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. And when Joseph saw them the next morning, he thought they looked a little dejected. And guess what? Joseph, being who Joseph was, took the time, and he asked them, why do you look so sad today? Do you ever walk past someone and see that? Do you take the time to say, why do you look so sad today? Anyway, he asked that question, and they share that they've had dreams. And then Joseph says to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So Joseph proceeds to share with them the interpretations that have been given to him by the Lord, and then asks that when they leave prison, to remember him. That's all he asked. Remember me when you leave the prison. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Boom! Another disappointment. Joseph's prison experience has now been, or will be, 12 to 13 years. That's a long time, isn't it? To be in prison. Are you not amazed that Joseph, through all this time, continued to have faith that God was there with him despite all that he was experiencing? Friends, our disappointments in life do not have to define us. Disappointments in life do not have to define us. Joseph is an example to each of us that we can move in integrity and make an impact on the lives of those around us despite our circumstances or our disappointments. And being in prison reveals God's faithfulness. Numerous times in this chapter we read the words, and the Lord was with Joseph. Scripture often speaks of God's faithfulness. When God says he'll do something, guess what? He does it. Even if it seems like an impossibility, God does it. In fact, we're told in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for no matter how many promises God's made, they're all yes. Every single one of them are yes in Christ Jesus. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us, to the glory of God. God's eternally reliable because faithfulness is one of his attributes. God doesn't have to work at being faithful. God is faithful. Just listen to these verses affirming God's faithfulness from 1 Corinthians 1. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship, fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And from 1 Thessalonians, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Yes, that faithfulness is eternal. He doesn't change. His faithfulness is true in the past, in the present, and in the future. Also, being in prison can reveal our faithful, our faith response. You know, in Luke 7, there is the story about a centurion whose son is very ill. And there's a request that's brought to Jesus to heal this son, and he tells Jesus, the centurion then, when Jesus goes toward him, ends up telling him, I'm not worthy to have you under my roof. Just say the word. Just say the word. And my son will be healed. And we're told that Jesus is amazed at the centurion's remark. In fact, when you look at the original Greek, thaumazo, it's the only time 
the only time in the Word of God that Jesus uses to describe someone's faith. So what is faith? What is it? Hebrews 11 tells us, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. Faith is essential to our life as a Christian. We can't buy it. We can't give it to somebody else. In fact, when you look at the dictionary, that defines faith as a belief in, devotion to, or trust in somebody or something, especially without logical proof. It also says in the dictionary that it is belief in and devotion to God. And Hebrews 11.6 tells us that without faith it is impossible for us to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith isn't something that we have to conjure up. It isn't something that we have to build up on our own. It isn't something we have to earn or something that we're worthy of. How many times have you yourself or you've heard someone else say, if I just had enough faith, then you fill in the blank. But the reality is faith is a gift from God. And it's not by works so that none of us can boast. And faith is how we're to live. We are not only to live by what we see, but by, we are not to live by what we see, but we're to live by faith. You know, there's a wonderful chapter that I mentioned earlier, Hebrews 11. I encourage you to go home and sometime this week, go ahead and read through chapter 11. It lists a bunch of heroes of faith whose actions demonstrated their faith. And amid that listing is Joseph's name. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of those bones. Yes, Joseph believed that the Lord was going to take them on that exodus. Yes, Joseph had that faith, and it was demonstrated by his actions of believing. You know, I thought all about, a lot about Joseph this week, and I always ask the Lord to reveal something to, not only to you, but to me personally. And so I'm going to get a little transparent this morning. As I've gone through this material and I looked at these different places that Joseph has walked, what's come to my realization is that when I'm in a prison, my first response is not, how can I serve the Lord or what can I learn in this prison experience? My first response is, how and when am I going to get out of this? And I don't know if I'm the only one that responds that way, but that is the way that I respond. And so I've been brought once again, sometimes we have to relearn those things over and over in our life, to look for those ways that the Lord is working in the midst of your prison, rather than so focusing on the how and when you're going to get out that you miss, that you miss seeing him in the midst of it and the blessing that there is in knowing that he is right there with you in the midst of it. And guess what? Even when we are faithless, he is faithful. 
to you and to me. Just listen to these words from 1 Peter 1. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Yes, his gift of faith gives us the ability to not deny the prison, but to trust him in the midst of it. Please join me in prayer. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that even in the prison that you are there with us, Lord, I know so often individuals are unjustly put in those prisons. And I pray, Lord, that you would reveal your faithfulness to each and every one of us. No matter how we got in the prison, reveal your faithfulness to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, give us the faith to respond to you, Lord. Can't do that on our own, Lord. That can only come from you. And so my prayer, Lord, is that even in the midst of the prison, that faith would be the song that we sing, the song that comes from our heart, the song that comes from our minds, the song that comes from our souls. In the powerful and the very precious name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. And all God's saints here and online said, Amen. Thank you so much once again for listening to our podcast. If you experienced something special today or connected in a special way with something that you heard, don't keep it a secret. You can reach out and share directly with one of our staff at redeemermn.org leadership, or you can share this episode of the podcast across your own social media. We look forward to the opportunity to connect with you. Until next time, God bless you and have a wonderful day.